never say die! Fourteen. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 270 of 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh, and this week we're talking about Watership Down, the best way to scar your children until the Skeksis drain a podling in 1982. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so true on both counts. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, that was the marketing campaign. <laughs> oh, there's some trivia about that later on, but it that is what we were talking about. We're talking about movies that scarred you when you were children, and the first one that popped into our minds was Watership Down, because your mom got it for you because she saw bunnies on the cover. Uh, if you like bunnies and being scarred for life, you're strange. So you might like <laughs> the shows on the Podcast Collective, such as The Sunshine Happy Pants Hour with Joel, I Am Salt Lake without Joel, The Dog and Do Show, and of course, The Rad Dad Radio Hour. What, what the f- fuck? <laughs> it's turning into like curly. <laughs> to reverse curly again. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So if you're looking for our older stuff, iTunes, yeah. Blu-ray. <laughs> it's you know, I was I was listening to an old episode, like episode one oh whatever, you know. And um, I was looking for something. I was showing my sister, you know, some of the stingers, but I, I played through a couple of them just a little bit. And like when, when we went through the list and it just went to Rad Dad Radio Hour, nothing was said. And I was like, well, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. Older stuff. Uh, where was I? iTunes, Blueberry Stitcher, Talk to You, Podverse FM, NoonFM.com, and Podchaser. Listen to our stuff there and leave us some uh, ratings and reviews. We will go there. Uh, read them and cry. iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio too. Yeah, that's where we're also. And uh, yeah, so if you're also want to call us at 708 wrap 708-669-9727. He says, suddenly realizing he never asked Josh if we had voicemails. Josh may be checking to see if we have voicemails as we speak. Well, in the meantime, as a stall. No, we're how, good. We're good. <laughs> how about, how about uh, just a quick shout out to David for, you know, say giving give a shout outs for missing us and everything. So. Aw. Yeah. Good on you, David. Thanks, David. You get a shout-out. For missing us. Now, where's our balloon likenesses? we got to send him the pictures first. Oh. He said he already has pictures of us. Oh, well, then where's our balloon likenesses? He just keeps doing giant pictures of your ass. That's accurate. Giant balloon asses. Yeah, it's oh. just two balloons. <laughs> and they're red. <laughs> and there's poop. What? I don't know. Your poop. Poop comes from a butt, so I, I don't know. We established that three shows ago. That is... Hi, you're almost a journalist, sir, Patrick. Was that four shows ago? That was four shows. Three three shows ago. 267 was our comeback. Niner. Is there a Niner in there? (laughs) Talking on a walkie-talkie? Oh, my God. All right, Josh, hey, guess what? I think it's about that time. It is so about that time. This week in music, movies, and TV. And sports, and sports, and sports. Getting worse. It's a Doppler effect there. All right, so November 1st, 1978. <laughs> the release of the first Watership Down. There you go. I'm hoping that's what that was. You put that date in there, so I was like, I guess that's what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay. <laughs> All right. Otherwise, you just randomly picked a date out of the sky. <laughs> yeah. That was the date that Watership Down was still around 
So music, the number one song in the land was Hot Child in the City by Nick Gilder. And after one week, it was knocked off by the acronym of the week, YNM. I'm pretty sure that stands for Yanni Needs Men. <laughs> and Murray problem. was so ahead of her time. <laughs> She's singing that out. Everyone else is going, who the hell's Yanni? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that was like, like he was uh, he was discovered by her. She was like his uh, for the monkeys. You know how how Neil Diamond was their writer inspiration. She was Yanni's writer inspiration. You didn't know that? No. And Murray and Murray and Yanni they were they were together. They were called Yan Murray. Yanny Yanny Murray. So dumb. There you go, folks. There it is. Joe will no longer be funny for the rest of the show. Yan Murray. <laughs> You've, you've used your funny chip. <laughs> Thank you I for the save. coming like a slow-moving train. <laughs> Thank you for the save, Joel. I, I ran out of steam there at the end. <laughs> that was fantastic. But uh, you were close. That was You Needed Me by Anne Murray. Real close. So I love the, the fact that whenever you're, whenever you, it comes on the radio, Hot Child in the City, if you tell somebody that doesn't know that that's a man singing, it always blows their mind. Well, that, that's one of my... Sorry. No, I was gonna say it's the same with um, you. You make me feel like dancing, guy. Right? Yeah. Anything with Barry Gibb. Yeah. Come yeah. dancing out away. Yeah, Nick Gilder. It, it just always blows people's mind. Yeah, like, hey, you like that song, huh? Yeah. That's a dude. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think Frankie Valley has the same effect. Oh my God, Frankie Valley's voice. How could? How do you? How do you have the balls big enough to sing a song? You know, walk like a man, talk like a man when you sing like that. Right. When you Where do you like get the balls big enough? Part of the Vienna Boys Choir. <laughs> Walk like a man. Talk like a man. <laughs> what? <laughs> Talk like Yeti Murphy. <laughs> Yeti Murphy? <laughs> Dude, I would watch that. <laughs> Yeti Murphy. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> oh, uh, oh wait. Added. I think I do know where that came from, actually. He's been added to the repertoire. He's hanging out with background Phil. And Mr. No-Nos. Oh. <laughs> oh, you know, who I, you know who I thought about the other day out of the blue? I wasn't even thinking about the podcast. Knuckleface Jones. Oh, my oh. God. <laughs> Overdid about me, Pat. <laughs> Knuckleface uh. Jones is my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap! This it's probably been two years since there's been a Knuckleface Jones reference on this right? show, <laughs> and it just popped in my head. I, I called my niece that. It's just out of the blue. I was like, out of my way, Knuckleface Jones. I was like, what? <laughs> Where'd that come from? Yeah, Both there are people who could have been listening to the show for literal years and never having heard of Knuckleface <laughs> Jones. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, when I called her that, we both looked at me like, what? <laughs> Is that a thing people say? <laughs> it is now. It's We've only gotten one bullet now. point into the tweet. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, born Justin Eldrin Bell on October 28th, Justin Guarini, Guarini is an American singer who was runner-up on the first season of American Idol, sadly. And made one of the worst movies that anyone has ever seen. Justin Loves Kelly? Yeah. Yeah, there there was a game on Neopets for that. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> what? Yep. <laughs> Oh, oh man, how do you how do you take that as your claim to fame? I made a terrible movie and was referenced in Neopets, but I've got I would take it in my career right now. 
So anyway, uh, and finally, Cisco, singer and songwriter known for his hit single, The Thong, The Thong, 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 Song, was born November 9th. All right. Said questionable fame right there. He's moving go on. on with Justin. <laughs> or not. <laughs> <laughs> moving on to movies. Halloween was released on October 27th, which was the number one movie in the land until it was knocked off by Comes a Horseman. That was released in Kansas City. Halloween or Comes a Horseman? Halloween. Comes a Horseman was released in Texas. I don't even know what Comes a Horseman was. I just liked the title. Fair. Yeah. All right. Born on November 1st, Mary Kate Shellhart, who played Ellen in What's Eating Gilbert Grape, was also an actress appearing in Ron Howard's Apollo 13. Really? Um, <laughs> that is how much... Looking for some stuff there, aren't you? Dude? There was a dearth of information for movies this week. <laughs> like they, she, That was one of the first things I read when I was doing research. And I was like, I was like yeah, you're not going to make it. And then by the end of it, I'm like, welcome to the starting lineup, Mary-Kate. <laughs> <laughs> it's your time to shine. <laughs> uh, hang on, I'm going to need a beer for this because he made up. Yeah, I made the... up for movies and TV, definitely. Yes, so I've got eight. <laughs> bullet points here <laughs> top shows in the land are laverne and shirley three's company and happy days which sounds like a great way to spend an afternoon after watching price is right yes and rest in peace petty marshall oh yeah. but yeah that's a great lineup right there you know those are kind of the shows that like no matter which one is on toss toss mork and mindy in there and you've got the uh the four pack of fun right there that's what i call my stomach <laughs> <laughs> That 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 creates no, Laverne, more. Qu- no, Laverne and Shirley is what I mean. It's I because her. he's always got four puddings under his shirt. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you're calling him nowadays? A little pudding. Four packs of pudding. That man's got a chest like a pudding cup. <laughs> <laughs> October twenty eighth. Meaning you could peel the top off. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You can lick. You can, you can lick the lid. I don't. Know. It's got a film over it. It's just getting Uh-oh. weirder. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Keep, speaking of keeping it weirder, October 28th was the premiere of Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. <laughs> I've seen this multiple times. Uh, a TV film that marked Kiss's acting debut. And afterwards, they were like, you know, this is a bad idea. Let's just stick to cartoons. Go go, to, go play with Scooby-Doo. Uh, also, Gwendolyn Christie, known actress known for playing Brienne on Game of Thrones. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Was born uh-huh. in Worthing, England on October 28th. Like, no one's pronounced a gamay. <laughs> pronounced <laughs> luxury yacht. <laughs> Did it have anything to do with Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park? You may never know. By the book. Um, Zachary <laughs> Andrew Knighton, born October 25th, is an American actor most known for starring on Happy Endings. Uh-huh. Prior to that, he co-starred on Flash Forward, and he also starred in the Fox sitcom Weird Loners. And that is just a random fact because it has apparently no connection to the date. Patrick was, yeah. What October twenty fifth? I mean, our, our date was November first. No, I guess good. that's fair. Yeah, I guess yeah, that's I, fair. I go within five days either way. Yeah, he's he's close enough. Well, the other, I, uh, some other trivia on there are three uh, shows that I have never heard of. Really? Flash Forward uh, holds a weird place for me because Sarah and I were really into it, watched all the way up to the season finale, found out it was not going to be renewed for another season, and never watched the last episode. Ever? Never. It was actually on like a DVR on uh, two or three PCs ago. Like I saved on my hard drive for us to watch it, and we never did. 
Just you just lost oh. the heart because it wasn't re- wasn't renewed. Oh, you could tell the way they were building towards the finale that was going to end on a cliffhanger. Oh, yeah. yeah. So better never have that cliffhanger. Yeah. Okay. That's don't even go near the cliff. So was it like a sci-fi kind of thing? Yeah, it was uh, about like missing time. Like everyone uh, on Earth had, or a certain percentage of people on Earth suddenly flashed forward to a moment, uh, some point of time in the future. It's been a few years since I saw it. And this event like messed a bunch of people up because when it happened, some of them were driving or flying planes or whatever. And uh, usually the visions of the future were bad. And before the time of the flash forward, you've got a couple of cops like trying to investigate what caused it and uh, try and get any answers before the apocalyptic event that everyone foresaw actually happens. Hmm. All right. Interesting concept. It's like a Ralph Fiennes joint, if I remember Hmm. right. Also, November 2nd was the debut of Arnold Shapiro's TV documentary, Scared Straight, narrated by Peter Falk. Which didn't work on Pat. <laughs> In any way. He's neither scared nor straight. <laughs> nor Peter Falk. <laughs> Your eye is way too straight. And normal. Oh, Joseph Fines, not Ralph. Oh. Ah, oh. I was interested, now I'm out. Yeah, yeah I'm done. I'm not I was going to call you out on it, but I was like, nah, let it slide. All right, so November 3rd was the debut That's of fine. Different Strokes. And November 2nd was the debut of David Cassidy, Man Undercover. That sounds like a thrill a minute. Yeah. I was gonna look that I was gonna look up what the hell that was about, and then I realized I don't care. Like is David like, Cassie, like the singer? Is that like I undercover think, boss for like bands? I don't I don't think it's like David Cassidy the bricklayer. <laughs> Starring David Cassidy. David Cassidy, the professional bed layer downer. It lasted <laughs> for that, that's not a thing, Joel. You'd like it to be bedtime champ. <laughs> Man yeah. undercover. If it, <laughs> oh, now I get it. Okay, I'm Yeti so. Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. This is a cop cop drama after what? the Partridge Family, and he he had a he starred in a two hour episode of Police Story, and they decided to give him his own show. That's he, a terrible idea. He portrayed an <laughs> undercover police officer, Dan Shea, a cop who successfully infiltrates a high school drug ring as a fellow student. Hi, hello, fellow children. He got an Emmy <laughs> Award for it. So it was it was Twenty One Jump Street before Twenty One Jump Street. Yeah, yeah. it was like Twenty One Hump Street. No, it's no, not at all. Cassidy, yeah. not giving you that one. No, uh-uh. go back, try again. You should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> Yanni Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, to finish off the paragraphs of tv that i've got matthew (laughs) james morrison born october 30th is an american actor dancer and singer songwriter morrison is known for starring in multiple broadway and off-broadway productions including his portrayal of link larkin in hairspray on broadway and for his role as will schuster on glee a lot of people just born in this time yeah not a lot of death you gotta look up what happened nine months before this date It's the end of World War Two. Yeah, absolutely nothing happened on this day. <laughs> Everyone was bored. <laughs> now sports. <laughs> Television wasn't invented yet. Yes, it was. Everybody was Catholic. They weren't. I'm I'm not following you down this road. I don't know where you're going. <laughs> I'm being a horrible improv partner. Sorry. Moving on to sports. Philip Jack Brooks, better known by the ring name CM Punk, 
is an American mixed martial artist, comic book writer, and retired wrestler. Born October 26th, he is perhaps best known for his time in the WWE, where he was the sixth longest reigning champion of all time. Okay, Josh, what did he? What kind of comics did this guy write? I've heard of him, but... I honestly didn't know he was a comic book writer. I, I just remember uh, the controversy around his exit from wrestling. Yep. Hmm. Interesting career. I mean, he's an interesting dude. Mix of stuff. He's a very interesting dude. I was never like a big fan, but I I do have mad respect for him as a wrestler. He he's good. I did find your answer though, Joel. He's written for Thor and for Drax the Destroyer. Oh wow! I was expecting like some sort of like WWE knockoff comic or something that he or like just some independent label thing, whatever. Yeah. No, he wrote for both Marvel and DC. DC, he wrote for a weird little book called Strange Sports Stories. See, that would make a little more sense. Uh, you know, as long as he's not like writing CM Punky Brewster or something. Yeah, he did. Uh, Jesus Christ, dude. Roma <laughs> don't like you. Did you go down this road just to say that? I think yes. he did. <laughs> no, but it, it, it ended up there uh, inadvertently. There. That's the same. Yan Murray. Yanny Murray. That's the same excuse Yanny. Joel uses for sex. Y- it just ended y- up there. <laughs> What you going to do? Yeah, it's there. We might as well keep going. <laughs> I see you've been to my website. <laughs> Life Lessons by Joel. Moving on before this gets too bad. On November 2nd, Wayne Gretzky was sold to the Edmonton Oilers after just eight games with the Indianapolis Racers of the WHA, where he scored six points. Huh. In the NHL, how what? I, I thought that was an interesting fact. Just oh, keep okay. going. <laughs> I thought you were going to have something. Yeah, never mind. Someone showing interest in you, Patrick. <laughs> I've, I'm not familiar with this phrase. What is, huh? <gasps> you, you made the yummy sound. <laughs> in the NHL, he scored 104 points in 72 games. This was all while he was 17 years old. What? <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, sometimes you, you hear names like, the great one and that sort of thing. You're like, yeah, they're just kind of, he's just really good. No, he's the best. Yeah. He was, I mean, he, he, he was as, as Michael Jordan was to basketball. He would be like, if somebody was twice as good as Michael Jordan in basketball, <laughs> good God. That's so how do you think the guy who finalized that trade felt right? <laughs> I'm not even sure how much they sold it for, but it wasn't enough. Right. Yeah, I mean, just a you know a 17 year old kid just walk walking in the door, just setting records, and I mean to this day he owns more records in the NHL than anyone in that record, and 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 no one will ever be close. I mean, the the argument about who is the best player in hockey, there's only one other guy that even comes close, and most people agree that it's still not even it's still not even a contest. <laughs> it's not even close enough to compare. So, right. Yeah. I mean, you know, pe- people want to throw, you know, Bobby hole out there, or Bobby Orr out there, you know, and you know, Wayne Gretzky, you know, he's still better. It's, it's like me versus Michael Jordan. As far as who's a better basketball player. It's not quite that given much no. of a gap, but oh. yeah, no, no. Moving on. <laughs> George Jackie Grant, West Indian cricketer, who was the West Indian captain from 1930 to 1935, died at 71 on October 26th. He was the first player in the history of test cricket to score two unbeaten 50s in the same test match. Shut your mouth. I'm just talking about Grant. <laughs> <laughs> there was just such a narrow, narrow chance that you were going to make it, and you did, and you made me so proud. <laughs> 
Uh, what does that mean? Two un- Again, unbeaten 50s. Yeah, that's actually a new cricket term for us. That's why I had to include it. Yeah. I don't I, no. really know what it means. I can kind of venture a guess, as but like I don't. I mean, uh, obviously, it's as a batsman you scored fifty points, but I don't know what the unbeaten necessarily implies. Now I typed it into Google, and it tells me stop that typing. George, that. it tells you no Grant. one can eat fifty eggs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people that did it, but he was the first. The last two unbeaten fifties happened in the game on thirtieth of October, two thousand and sixteen, and the test number two hundred and 2,229 West Indies versus Pakistan by Casey Braithwaite. Don't. All right, I'm going down a hole. Hey, you know what we watched this week? <laughs> a rabbit hole? A rabbit oh. hole. Take us uh, out, oh. rabbit Joel. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> Wrong. Rabbits don't make noises except screams. <laughs> they that, bleed a lot. They do. So well, They have British accents, apparently. Well, I mean, they were in Britain. Why wouldn't Britain, British rabbits have Brit- British accents? When they talk. I don't see your point. Do I have a point? Anyway, we yeah, watched move on. Watership <laughs> Down. Uh, then 1978. Before we get started, I'm going to say I have never even heard of or seen this movie. What? When? Yeah. When you guys said we're going to watch Watership Down, I'm just like, okay, whatever. I thought it was like a war movie or mm-hmm. something that I was going to be going into. And you weren't and wrong. Then when, I saw, when I saw it was animated bunnies, I was... Much, much less enthused. You've never even heard of it? No. Yeah, yeah, see, this was my first time seeing it, but, like, I knew about it. I even knew, like, the big quote. The, uh, if they catch you, Prince of a Thousand Enemies, they will kill you. But first, they must catch you. Like, I'd seen that on Reddit a half dozen times already. Mm-hmm. No one can eat 50 carrots. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> This is not the first time I've seen this. I saw this in school. Just really? That's a bold choice. I know. Right? It was an English yeah, all, I gotta, all I got to say is I was watching this movie like, what the fuck? I'm imagining that uh, at, at the Teske household, Matthew's finishing up, you know, RoboCop. <laughs> and your mom's like, I'm so sorry. Let me put in a cartoon for you. <laughs> <laughs> Puts in Watership Down. Blah, bunny blood. <laughs> So yeah, so this this one, a group of rabbits flee their doomed warren and face many dangers to find and protect their new home. Uh, that that's a summary of it. So it's it's more than that. There's they they go to the cult bunny warren and then they go to the apparently Nazi but or socialist or whatever it was communist bunny warren where they mark you, they claw a mark into you and all that and just you know it's it's really messed up. They go yeah. to the Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. Elizabeth. <laughs> they go to the Estella Warren, or they, uh, rip, what, wait. No, stop. They go to the Warren Beatty, get married a couple <laughs> times. There we go. Now, this is produced, or I'm sorry, directed by Martin Rosen. <laughs> go to the Warren Commission. <laughs> <laughs> they write War and Peace. So, oh, uh, thank this you, Joel. Is... I was in danger there. <laughs> They, they they made a movie another movie called it's the subtitle the tagline and this is a special kind of movie magic from the creators of Watership Down, hey, <laughs> okay? called the Plague Dogs. Oh my Jesus! Well, this, at least that one they're up front with the title. Yeah. Two dogs escape from a laboratory and are hunted as possible carriers of the bubonic plague. Fun and they're, for all the family. They're remaking that one, but they're carrying Ebola. Guess who stars in it? John Hurt because. 
just like this one. He's, he's like, are we in for traumatizing children again? Mark now, me down as yes. Did did anybody notice? Because I I noticed this, but I didn't actually look into it too much. There was a a three season TV series called Watership Down. Yes. Yes. How do they turn that into a three four? It had forty or thirty nine episodes because I they mean, up the blood. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if you really got into the rabbit politics, which if you haven't seen Watership Down, yes, that's totally a thing. And actually, one of my favorite parts, strangely. But I, I could see how you could do that. Well, I mean, they did have, what, like four seasons of Meerkat Manor? Well, but the Meerkats weren't talking to each other and throwing, call, call, you know. Did you not watch Meerkat Manor? It was awesome. Don't you? Don't no, you I'm not saying bad it's bad. It? I'm not saying bad about Meerkat Manor. It was awesome, okay. but the Meerkats didn't talk. And how can you extend that into three seasons? Joel, the book is 413 pages long. Well, but I thought that the 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 the, the now portion of this <clears throat> encapsulated what I figured the book was like. But I, uh, you know, 40 episodes seems like a little excessive. Joel, we, I will address that specific complaint when we get to the second half. Okay, yeah, I'm just saying this again. Now. This guy wrote 400 pages on rabbit politics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, it's compelling <laughs> stuff. It, Fake, it news. Fake news. Fake news. <laughs> so, uh, writing credits, Richard Adams wrote the novel, uh, who apparently got the idea from the book by telling stories to his kids while they were driving in the car, and then the kids are like, you gotta write this shit down, Dad, because <laughs> no one's gonna believe no. us when we tell you you told us this stuff. <laughs> no one's gonna believe you named a guy Hazel. John Hurt Hazel. No one's gonna believe all the blood. John yeah. Hurt Hazel? What'd he do John, to her? Yeah, well, he... What? John Hurt Hazel. Oh. So John Hurt played Hazel. <laughs> I, I thought it was kind of cool. The big a- badasses were like Hazel, Bigwig, and Holly. Mm-hmm. Yep. But you know what? It made sense for it, it made sense for rabbit names. Yeah, they're bunny names. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Why wouldn't you call him Bluebell? Because that's all. I mean, he's a bunny. He lives in a field. There's bluebells right there. It's made of ice cream. Right. Uh, Richard Breers <laughs> did the voice of Fiverr, who, if you did not look that up, played Smee from Peter Pan. When the one that we watched back when we did the Peter Pan show. Oh, awesome! Yeah. I, I I saw his uh, best known for on IMDb because I thought I recognized him, but uh, it wasn't anything I'd seen. It was all just like British TV shows, and then Much Ado About Nothing. That was the only thing I'd seen that I noticed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's uh he was he's done he's done enough. I mean, it's it's another one of those cases where Great Britain has England has like sixty actors, but three thousand costumes so they just keep dressing the same people up so it's people that you've probably seen in you know british tv shows and stuff like uh, michael graham cox who played the voice of bigwig and also did the voice of boromir and the animated version of lord of the rings we're gonna do that at some point by the way we should add that to the list what's that we should add the the hobbit or lord of the rings to the list at some point by the way we should yeah i don't know why we haven't done that yet anyway sorry uh john bennett as uh captain holly again Known for uh, Watership Down as Captain Holly, and in Fifth Element, he played one of the priests. Oh. Yeah. Also, Ralph Richardson is the Chief Rabbit, if you do not know who this is. Uh, Dr. Zhivago, he was an Alexander, he great. I mean, he, by post this movie, you know, he stopped making movies in 85, but uh, his last couple ones were Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan, Lord of the Apes. Oh, okay. So. Oh. Where he played the sixth Earl of Greystoke Manor, uh, and for our needs, he played the supreme being in Time Bandits and Ulrich in Dragonslayer. Okay. 
Yep. That's where everybody knows. I'm with you now. Got it. Definitely can see him coming out in, uh, you know, at the end of uh, Time Bandits. Mm hmm. All right. Simon Cattell, Blackberry, did the voice of. A little bit harder. uh, Past Watership Down, he was in some stuff called Life Without George and Enemy at the Door. Um, This is pretty much the highlight of his career. Terrence Rigby as Silver, and I forgot which rabbit Silver was. But if you watch the TV show Elizabeth, he plays Bishop Gardner. Or, I'm sorry, the movie Elizabeth. Uh, and he's also in Get Carter, which features Sexy, Sexy Michael Caine. And he oh, also played yeah. General Bukharin in Tomorrow Never Dies. Hmm. It's a pretty good uh, resume. Yeah, he's got some stuff going on. All right. <clears throat> Roy Kinnear played Pipkin. I recognized him as Veruca Salt's dad. Yep. I recognized him as Algernon from Help. I didn't recognize him. What? 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 You didn't recognize him as Veruca Salt's dad with all the unwrapping all the candy bars and all that? Like I said, the only the only voice I picked out was John Hurd's. Oh. Specifically. Yeah, he was in Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory as uh, Mr. Salt, and then in Help, he was Algernon, who was helping the bad guy. It was the other bad guy trying to get the ring from uh, Ringo's finger. <laughs> that's Sorry. Uh, you laugh, but that's what it was. Richard O'Callaghan <laughs> is Dandelion. Now, he, he's got... Carry on, bound the bend. Carry on, round the bend, and carry on, loving. Huh. Yeah. These look like. Remember, in late seventies, they would do movies that were kind of, kind of a little bit kind of raunchy, and had look looked like their posters were done by one of the Mad Ma- Mad magazine artists. Yeah. That's where he plays Bertram Muffet in Carry mm-hmm. On Loving. Give you a Bertram Muffet. Yeah. Yeah, there's this whole carry-on series. He wasn't in all of them, but I, I've never heard of any of these. No, but things that you may have heard of, Red Dwarf, uh, Hoey the Rogi, and the Creator. <laughs> what? Hoey the Rogi. Hoey the Rogi. You heard him? Have you not watched Red Dwarf? No. No. Huh? Oh, you probably should. Yeah, you should. Me. Yeah. I think you'd dig it. I think. I mean, would. probably, but it's just another one of those shows. That, it's what, too you know, cool. I don't want to watch it. No, it's just it's it's on it's on my list, but it's so far down my list. It's not like you know. All right. Well, how about mm-hmm. Denholm Elliott, Pat? Did you recognize his him? voice as Cowslip? Yeah. 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 I recognize most of the voices. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, he was the one that I picked out first. Like I knew John Hurt was Hazel, so that's not really fair. Mm-hmm. I, I, but Denholm Elliott. Yeah, Marcus from Rares of the Lost Ark. Yep, and also Coleman from Trading Places. Or uh, Noises Off. Oh, yeah, he was in that. That's right. Yeah, so uh, I'm also going to skip a couple that don't really have much, but Zero Mostel is Kahar, sounding like he had gone completely over and around the bend. Yeah, like <clears throat> just walking around the studio with a mic in hand, chewing up everything. Right. Yeah, Zero Mostel, uh, I had this in the trivia, but I'll mention it now. This is actually Zero Mostel's last uh, movie performance. Really? Yeah. Huh. Well. So, uh, next one up, Harry Andrews. I kept this one in here. He did General Woundwort. Josh, you may know him from the movie of La Man on La Mancha, where he plays the innkeeper. Nice. Yeah. Uh, He was also on the movie called The Hill with Sean Connery, where he played R.S.M. Wilson. Uh, And Superman, the movie where he played Second Elder, so you only saw him at the very beginning of the movie. So, uh, Hannah, Hannah Gordon, who did played uh, Heisenthal. Did I say that right? Heisenthal? God, these names, man. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, yeah Heisenthal. Heisenthal, who uh, also played Mrs. Treves in The Elephant Man. 
So, yeah. So she said, hey, you know what? These weird-ass movies are doing well for me. I'm going to stick with these. Uh, Nigel Hawthorne is Captain Campen. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I actually appreciate that the different Warrens had different cultures where you could tell it's like the the main Warren that all of our characters for have like these names of plants and flowers. And then you get to the fascist Warren in there, Heisenflay and Woundwart and Campion. Mm-hmm. Now, Nigel Hawthorne, uh, who passed away in 2001, uh, also played George III in The Madness of King George movie back then and was also Dr. Raymond Cucco. Cotillo in Demolition Man. <laughs> I know. Yeah, talk about a flip in your or in your resume right there. So uh Madness of King George and Demolition Man. Yeah. So that's Mad- range. Yeah, I know, right? Well, I mean he does what he does. And then Clifton Jones, who does Black of R. Stop it. Also was in Space nineteen ninety nine. Am I the only person that remembers that show? I remember yep. it, but I didn't ever watch it. What? I heard of it, but I never watched it. Good God. I mean, how can you not love a sci-fi TV show starring Martin Landau? <laughs> Easily. I, had, I never saw it. I had the ship. <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, there you go. Those are everybody who I think we would have something to go along with. But uh, some trivia. The British Board of Film Classification is still receiving complaints about this movie. <laughs> Four decades after its release, due to the board's decision to classify it as U, which is suitable for everybody. The BBFC admitted in 2012 that it has had received complaints about the suitability of Watership Down at U almost every year since its classification. Not surprised. No. Poltergeist gets the same flack. Well, here's the thing. I was thinking about this. Right about the same time Airplane came out, and it was rated PG also. Yeah, the, the the difference in it was a different time. The, the rating the rating people back then were like, yeah, yeah, PG. What were they doing? Blood, front, full frontal, yeah, PG. <laughs> so, uh, this is actually considered to be one of the most violent animated PG rated movies ever made. Also, would, considered to be. Considered. I would think it is just the blood alone. This was scarring. Um, <laughs> for reasons also that the film cons- featured the song Bright Eyes, sung by Art Garfunkel, uh, released as a single. The song became a UK number one hit, despite Richard Adams hating it. It was, oh, that scene was a little strange, but in late 70s movies, you had a lot of that. Well, I, I was watching it with Susie, and when that song came on, she was like, this is the same thing that they had happen in The Last Unicorn. Huh? Yeah. There you, you go. Know? It was like right before you get into chapter uh, act three, there was this song and dance number. So it must have been a 70s thing. He's the last unicorn, unicorn, unicorn. Oh, it said song and dance number. <laughs> well, he's on fire tonight. <laughs> he, he is. God, next week's show is going to suck. Um, <laughs> so uh, this is also the first animated movie to be presented in Dolby surround sound. Because that's what you want, bleeding and surround sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, Watership Down was actually adapted into a stage play in 2016. A show was performed at Watermill Theater and only had nine actors. It lasted from June to July of 2016. That's a long show. Yeah. It featured puppetry, physical theater, as well as live actors. It probably wasn't, you know, constant during that time, no. Joel. Yeah. Yeah. 24-7, two months. <laughs> I don't want to be the rabbit anymore. You will live as this bunny. 
All right, alongside the Plague Dogs from 1983 and The Secret of Nim and The Last Unicorn, this is easily considered one of the darkest and most violent animated films of the late 20th century, despite being rated PG. In the case of this film and The Plague Dogs, and the G in the cases of The Secret of Nim and The Last Unicorn, all four of these films were released before PG-13 existed. Neat. Yeah. Now, here's some trivia for you, Josh. You ready? Yeah, I, I, I had seen this one, but I, I'm looking forward to hearing it. Watership Down inspired the creation of Bunnies and Burrows, a role-playing game in which the main characters are talking rabbits. Published in 1976 by Fantasy Games Unlimited, it introduced several innovations to role-playing game design, being the first game to allow players to have non-humanoid roles, as well as with the first detailed martial arts and skill systems. Fantasy Games Unlimited published a second edition of the game in 1982, and the game was modified and republished by, guess who... Steve Jackson Games as a GURPS supplement in 1992. What? <laughs> yeah, I had heard of Bunnies and Burrows and was pretty aware of its place in design. FGU made a lot of interesting games. So, hmm. Pat, would you run that game? <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe it's maybe it's a, like a two or three shot game. You give it a chance. I'd have to I'd have to write a whole you know I don't know if I want to write for bunnies. <laughs> <laughs> You, you'd say that, but they have a more detailed mythology and political system than quite a few fantasy races. Mm-hmm. So I would have to look into it. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not outright saying no. You're subtly saying it would, no. we would have to be a lot more interesting than this fucking movie. Aww. Why you gotta say that? Spoilers. So, I'm gonna go with Pat. Didn't like it. <laughs> I will go so far as to say, as much as we've talked about the blood and the violence, I actually expect it to be even more tragic and violent than it turned out to be. Agreed. Uh, that's that's exactly what I was feeling. I remember it being bloodier and more shocking in my head because I remember seeing it in, in school. But, I, you know, it's one of those things like, oh, you know, the dog is tearing the bunnies up at the end of the movie when, you know, you're, what, you know, fourth, fifth grade watching this stuff. Yeah, but it was mostly bad bunnies. And, like, even the one good guy bunny who dies near the middle of the first act. The one who got. It's pr- pretty much off screen. Yeah, the one who gets uh, taken by the hawk or the owl. Yeah. Yeah, you don't, you don't even see it. You just see the, like, the, the ground where it was taken. Yep. And everything happens in front of Fiverr. Yeah. Right. I, <laughs> probably the most horrifying thing beca- was the uh, bunnies trapped in the warren when. Uh, Captain Holly was describing how their warren was destroyed. Yeah, that was that. I would I was watching that going, Jesus, this is a little much for a kids movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that, it, that was when my, my my sister was in here watching it with me, just hanging out, and I told her I was like, I'm watching this for the podcast tonight, you know, so I can't turn it off. So what do you what do you want? And as she sit there watching it, she kind of got caught up in it, like, what the hell is this? And when and when that scene came up, she's like, Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> that they were incredibly graphic for I, I i it's a cross between wanting to drive a point home and artsy fartsy 70s cartoons yeah it was a little too light in the animation for some of the darkness it was trying to deliver what because it was it was trying to send the message for one you know of you know, the, the, the hippie message about how man is fucking up all of nature and everything. And the other message he's trying to send was, you know, nature is just fucking cruel and doesn't care and yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, 
so it's got these really dark, deep messages, you know, and then the, the animation is just very, uh, I'm not, I, I didn't mean to say light. It's just the animation was very, um, it was well done. I liked it and I liked the style of it, but it just seemed like it was, it was definitely more towards the, the, the this will be appealing towards ch- two children kind of drawings. I'm flip-flopping. Leave the boy in the well. Yeah, I, <laughs> I will say it seemed like they didn't know who their audience was supposed to be. Right. It, it just seemed like it was a very mixed movie. Uh, the only real complaint I had with it, because I, I enjoyed this quite a bit, but it seemed like they knew they only had about an hour and a half and they had to hit all these scenes from the book. So I sometimes felt like we were being rushed from plot point to plot point with a lot of the characters being underdeveloped and a lot of the like things that I know should have happened. It's like watching the non-director's cut version of Dune. It's like we're rushing to stuff we have to show because it was in the book. And I know I'm missing the connective tissue. Yes. Yeah, yeah. because th- this felt like a... At one point, I was—I I even said to my sister, "I was like, this feels like just a a bunch of vignettes about rabbits just kind of strewn together, you know? Like, oh, okay, now now they're in a farm. Oh, now they're now they're in a field. Oh, now they're in a poppy. What you know? It's like, okay, you know, and and like they would build up this drama and tension to something, and then suddenly it would just break, and the scene would be over, and you just say, okay, well, I guess we didn't really need that scene. Like the whole scene of them crossing the river on the piece of wood." You know, they make a big deal out of it. Why would you bother animating and spinning out of control and doing all the voice work and everything? And then, oh, and then suddenly, hey, we're on the other side of the river and everything's fine. And, oh, that was a good idea. Oh, yeah, whatever, move on. You know. Well, I mean, that kind of sets up what's paid off later with them taking the boat to escape. Right. It does a little bit, but, you know, I mean, it's just in general, I'm, I don't know. I it just, was, and that is part of the, like, missing connective tissue, because that's that whole character that figured out, I, I can't even remember which one he was. I think it was Blackberry? Maybe, but yeah, one of them was, like, this genius bunny that drew these connections that uh, he shouldn't have been able to, and he was partially responsible for this, their success, but that was so barely touched on. Mm-hmm. That like he did these two things because that's what happened in the book and we should have developed his character like at all. And well, that was the other the other big complaint I had about this movie was like when the, when the one rabbit got taken by the hawk or whatever I'm just like whatever bye <laughs> I mean because there was no character development there was no anything I mean it just the movie started and oh shit's hitting the fan we got to get out of here you can't leave oh we got to go and then they leave and then you know like there was no character development at all I had no interest in almost any of the characters. I would say Bigwig, Hazel, and Fiverr got some. And maybe and a little bit. And, and that was the that was it. The rest of yeah. them the, I mean well, nothing. The one that got taken by the bird was basically a red shirt almost. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, when I going back to the the old animated series that was forty episodes and the new one which was, you know, four episodes, it definitely felt like they were trying to cram too much into a a very small amount of time, well, which I, made the like four minutes of Art Garfunkel singing weird to me. It's like, <laughs> this is where you're going to spend your minutes mm-hmm. instead of like connecting the individual chapters or developing some of the characters. You could have taken that Art Garfunkel song and came up with eight good transitions between scenes instead of that. hundred percent. Right. Yeah. And just put the song at the end. It's the closing credit. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I had something to say, and then Patrick got on his rant, and I just totally went away with it. So <laughs> uh, Let's talk about the actual moments of violence. The uh, first big one that I think is going to be the one that opens people's eyes is probably Bigwig being caught in the snare. Mm-hmm. That, well, 
was intense. When I remember that being intense when I was in school. Because everybody loved Bigwig because he was the badass. There's so much blood as he's choking. Yeah, they did not hold back on the bl- blood out of the mouths, something so coming blood. out of their noses. His anus, it was just everywhere. Okay. I think you watched a different movie. Yeah. <laughs> and if it involved rabbits. And there's, I don't recall any rabbit bloody anuses in this movie at all. I think you may have been watching the wrong thing again. Don't, do not do a Google search yeah. for rabbit anus. <laughs> Ew. Uh, anyway. So. Yeah, that, that, was inc- that was pretty dang bloody for what it was. Mm-hmm. And we've already touched on the flashback to the destruction of their original Warren. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, like the, that animation of all of them just getting suffocated and trying to get out and just, uh, I was like, well, that's intense. <laughs> yeah, they were almost flowing together. So there were this like rabbit goop by the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all scared big eyes. Uh, and I'm just thinking like, there's, there's no way that some kid could watch this and not need some therapy afterwards. Like, more dead rabbits than gangs of New York. Or mice and men. <laughs> so then more than one. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Literally more than one. <laughs> no, the, the, the flashback scene was trippy too. And it's, again, I think it goes back to that, uh, back to that 70s thing again. Because you think about the Lord of the Rings animated movie. That was pretty freaking trippy at times also. And think uh, in the same uh, era of them. But um, uh, what's a Ralph Bakshi one? Uh, Wizards. Oh, yeah. 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 Again, it had that same style of there being that kind of trippy, flowing together animation. And then there was a song in the middle of it, too. Mm-hmm. So I guess that was a, th- I mean, a thing back then. Yeah. Gotta have a song break. And, and you have these threats of extreme violence. And there was a little bit of bunny scratching. But I think the next really big one before you get to the dog is when they take the rabbit that in, oh, I'm forgetting... The, the name the of the fascist warrants. No, there was a one rabbit that had been caught trying to escape who they'd beaten down and who ran away with the watership down. Crowley. Oh, Blackavar. 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 Yeah, and when Blackavar uh, confronted uh, the general and uh, Woundwart just tore him to bits. Yeah. That was rough. <laughs> yeah, and just left this bloody corpse. Just, uh, I'm like... Okay. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a note to myself. Black of ours, bl- bloody corpse is going to be our image for this one. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh. And then you have the dog apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just he just comes in and starts tossing them around like squeak toys. Well, that's basically what they were to him. Yeah. He wanted to make them squeak because they didn't make any other sound. Bloody squeak toys. <laughs> I couldn't so help I... but think of like like how Lucy would have my my dog would have done that. Like, well, you know, in another world, she would have possibly. <laughs> Pat's like, I'm going to recreate Watership Down at home. I gotta, yeah, I'm going to buy a bunch of bunnies. <laughs> Sir, we don't have. Why are you buying 10 bunnies? Oh, you'll see. <laughs> this is going to be on the news. This is my this is my YouTube page. This is how I go to prison. <laughs> like you said, his YouTube page. So <laughs> I, I guess I expect it to be a little more tragic than it was, though. Yeah, for all the, the, the hype and everything, I don't remember if i've ever seen it like i don't have a strong memory of ever watching it i was expecting a lot more than what was there honestly and that's the thing is because i think a lot of you have heard about this from people that were in my class whose teacher said hey you know what this is based on a book let's throw it in the va let's put the betamax in there and watch it and you know sit it down i'm gonna go out and have a smoke and 
uh, take time and let the kids just do this and not have to worry about it, we all get scarred. And for the rest of our lives, every time we hear Bunny movie, we're like, oh, shit. You know, and then we bring it up, you know, oh, Watership Down gets brought up for some reason. And everybody who's actually seen it when they were a kid says, scared the crap out of me. And then it just sort of well, built this, like, following. Now, now it makes more sense to me why you ended up crying and in the fetal position when we went to go see Fatal Attraction. The bunny got boiled. Yeah, we know. Mm-hmm. Fatal Attraction. Yeah, yeah, that went over about as well as my Gangs of New York joke. And Joel didn't Mer. step on yours. Uh, this movie also got that strange Rocky Horror Picture Show type popularity to it. Also, they would show it at like eleven o'clock and midnight at the uh, at the theaters. I could see that because I, I am legit impressed by the various bunny cultures. The uh, uh, owl. Oh, what was there was a higher cast who are all the soldiers and nobles. Uh, they're called the owl something. Oh yeah. Um. I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, but I'll I thought be sure. it, I thought it was really interesting that they uh, that they did that, where you've got all these different bunny classifications, and they've got their creation myths and their epic heroes, and then by the end, the bird and Hazel and several of the other bunnies join the ranks of those rabbit epic heroes. Huh? Somebody has made a Watership Down dictionary. What? The rabbits in Watership Down speak a language called Lapine. So Ilil is enemies of rabbits. Hiru is Little Thousand, Fiverr's Lapine name. That's why he kept calling Fiverr Hiru. Uh, the Ausla. The Ausla were the, uh, yeah, like were a you? military cast. Yeah. Ausla, strongest of rabbits in a warren. Aus, Ausflala Council is the police, used only in Efrara. Ra is leader, is a suffix, suffix, because they were calling him, uh, whatchamacallit, Ra. And I just readed that I'm, Yona means a hedgehog, and I'm sitting here reading a, a online dictionary about rabbits. Yep. What has happened with my life? When did I lose control? Hamba means fox. I'm hang, I'm closing that window now. Okay. <laughs> hey, Hamba lady. <laughs> yeah, uh, Hamba, they actually referred to foxes only as Hambas in the original. Okay. Did they? Yes, they did. I thought that was really interesting I didn't, because I didn't catch that. it stuck out to me when they didn't do that in uh, in the Netflix one, where they called the fox the Hamba once at the beginning and then just called them foxes for the rest of the series. Huh. I didn't even okay. notice that. Well, all right. So, uh, yeah, movie that scarred me in my youth was not as scarring as I remembered it to be, but still pretty effed up. Yeah, I was going to say, how are you, you going to say this was not as scarring? This is a... Well, I think it comes down to you were pretty taken aback by it because you were walking in blind. Mike was taken aback by it because he was a kid, and Joel and I had it built up for us over the course of 30 years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah maybe. we were probably, I, I know I was expecting uh, a major, like, Fiverr to die in the third act. Right. I was expecting a lot more deaths of the, the main rabbits. Well, Fiverr has victim written on him from the very beginning in that movie. Yeah, and this thing has a lot of parallels to like epics like the Odyssey and anything with the hero's journey. So the idea that the mystic would die, like that would be straight out of Lord of the Flies. Mm-hmm. So I was surprised when that didn't happen. Well, this, I mean, it kind of broke a lot of tropes, you know, one trope of, you know, be interesting. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> no, but I mean, it, it did break a lot of tropes because, like I said, it built a lot of tension, a lot of drama, and then suddenly nothing would happen. You know, so I mean, cause, cause I did. I, like for instance, when they were when they went to the farmhouse the first time, I was dead set that the rabbit that was all scared to go was gonna die. Especially when they showed the dog. You know, I was like, "Yep, that dog is gonna get that rabbit on the way out." Well, he got a couple. Oh yeah. No, I'm talking the very first time when they went yeah. to the farmhouse. So yeah, there were it was, there were a couple things that they did that were. Uh, not standard. I, I do think it was cool with all the world building that instead of building another world that is in another place, instead it was almost they were revealing this world to humans that they're saying, okay, this is what rabbits are like. This is something that we don't see because we're not rabbits, but they have wars and politics and backstabbing and murder. I thought that was kind of neat. Uh, it is. It, it really is because it's got that whole like secondary world going on around us thing going. Uh, yeah, it's not like you don't have to go to Middle Earth to see this happen. This is happening in your backyard just beneath <laughs> your notice. Okay, I mean, in a way, I find I, th- that is kind of interesting, but I just, I couldn't help but think the whole time I was watching this, I was like, I would much rather watch the live-action version of this with these actors. That's, I, I mean, that would be weird thing. with them with bunny ears. Right. I don't know how that would work. <laughs> that would look. You know what I mean, jerkhead. I do. Yeah, jerkhead. <laughs> Kind of like cats, but not. Not in the bunny costumes. Not about bunnies. About peoples. Bunny peoples. Bunny people. Peoples, peoples in bunny suits. Yeah. Furry, the musical. Yeah. So Pat's a furry. <laughs> that's what that's what this came down to. Pat's Whoa. a furry. Oh my god, I've awoken something inside myself. Here. Put it back to sleep. On that note, we're gonna take a break. <laughs> you know, Devil Bunny needs a ham. <gasps> Throw back. Deep cut. Yeah. Nice. So look that up, folks, while we're uh, taking a break. Figure out why Devil Bunny needs a ham. Uh, and I don't know. Let's toss it out there. Have whoever first person on Facebook who messages us on why Devil Bunny needs a ham will get something strange from us. Maybe like a Greatest American Hero DVD with all our signatures. Could be that a was pretty strange. could be a Ziploc with something mysterious in it. Might be what awoken inside Pat. <laughs> 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 Bunnycostumes.com. <laughs> Got some sort of feces experiment. <laughs> what? <laughs> what awakens in you? <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be right yeah, back. We're here. definitely we'll taking a break. God. <laughs> All right, we are back. And uh, even though all the stuff we just talked about this movie, somebody decided in 2018 we should remake this movie that scarred so many children. And that person was, among others, Noah Murrow. Yeah, they decided to make it for the BBC and simulcast it with Netflix. Yeah. So they did it a little bit differently. They did it as a series, four episodes, directed by a different person each episode. Uh, It actually came out as... uh, a two-part series over Christmas in Great Britain in 2017, or I'm sorry, the end of 2018. Uh, so, again, fleeing their doomed war in a colony of rabbits, struggle to find and defend a new home. There you go. Pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah. pretty straight. It's, it's a story. It's a thing. So, uh, the first episode, or actually four episodes, directed by Noah Murrow. He was like the main director for it, and he's known for Watership Down, Smart People. I have not heard of. Got no reason to live. <laughs> <And> then, 
Why are you being so funny this episode? What is wrong? And uh, 300 Rise of an Empire. So the sequel to 300. Didn't they all die? That's what I heard. <laughs> 300 more. Now, <laughs> the story was really 18, but you know, there was just the ones that were left. Now this is interesting. Smart people got no reason to live. <laughs> starring Dennis Quaid, Sarah Jessica Parker, Thomas Hayden Church, and Ellen Page. What? Interesting cast. That is an interesting yeah, cast. Yeah, right? Okay. So the other directors that helped him out with this are Peter Dodd, who was directed this, also part of animation in Frankenweenie, The Corpse Bride, and The Fantastic Mr. Fox. So he's used to some weirdness and directed something called Freddy Frogface, which I'm not clicking on. <laughs> and the least I know about that, the better off I'll be. Uh, another one of the directors is Seamus Malone. Uh, he actually worked with uh, the animation department for um, Chicken Run, Curse of the Were-Rabbit, uh, Wallace and Gromit, and Flushed Away. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Wallace and Gromit is some good shit. It is. It's very sad. You, you heard about what happened to their animation studio, right? Burned down. Um, burned down. Well, it burned down all the animation. They did everything claymation, and when it burned down, everything melted and burned up. Yep. So. Sad. Yeah, it really is. That really sucks. Yeah. That because I mean, that was I mean outside of the animation it's also some really great sculpting and that sort of thing. So um, also a uh, Alan Short was one of the directors on this and he's uh, animator Arthur Christmas he was animator for that uh, for some stuff called Predators and National Geographic's Dinosaur Hunters. So yeah there you go. Uh, writing credit obviously Richard Adams who wrote the novel and Tom Bidwell uh, who wrote all four episodes. I'm missing something on this because I'm laying a bet. I don't understand this because it's over on the other side of the pond, but something called My Mad Fat Diary. EastEnders coming up in Holby City is what he's known for. I've heard of EastEnders, but that's it. Yeah, My Mad Fat Diary looks like a a high school type drama, but that's all I know from that, just from looking at the picture. But uh, starring Hazel is James McAvoy, young Professor X. Mm -hmm. And The Beast. Mm-hmm. And yes. one of the shittiest movies I've ever seen, Wanted. I haven't seen Wanted, so maybe that's why uh, you hate James McAvoy. And that's a hundred percent why I hate James McAvoy. That movie was so bad it made me angry. Hmm. <laughs> you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. <laughs> the the only other movie that made me that angry was uh, The Gambler with Mark Wahlberg. So maybe we should do that show because you don't want to hear that rant. No. Oh, yes, I do. Now we need to <laughs> do that show. I totally need to do that. Let's do that with um, uh, The Gambler with Kenny Rogers. Yeah. No, no, it's, The Gambler is a remake of a... I think it was a Steve McQueen movie. Really? Oh, no, James Caan. It was a James Caan movie. Yeah. Oh, it put that on the list, Joel. All right, so Nicholas Holt also does a voice of Fiverr, and you may not know him because when he does things, he's usually in uh, makeup. So he was Nux... From Mad Max Fury Road. The Beast. He was the Beast from X-Men Days of Future Past. More Beast. And he also played R in Warm Bodies. Ah, fun movie. Yeah, which is one of my daughter's favorite romantic comedies, I guess, because they watch it all the time. I don't know what that means. Uh, John Boyega as Bigwig. Uh, Yes. I'm just a big fan of him and pretty much everything I've seen him in so far. Well, he's done some great stuff. I mean, Attack the Block to start it out with, and then Finn in the Star Wars movies, and Pacific Rim is Jake Pentecost. So, I mean, he just has some great, great, uh, great roles. And a really good voice for playing uh, Bigwig. Yes. 
Agreed. Uh, General Woundwort, Ben Kingsley, known for such classics as Gandhi and Sexy Beast. And just being Sir Ben Kingsley. Yeah, that too. If you haven't seen Sexy Beast, you should. That is an intense movie. Yeah, it is. Agreed. Death and the Maiden. Yep. Yeah. That's another one. Oh, and uh, don't forget Iron Man 3. Uh, I was just about to say that. You beat me to it. (laughs) That Mandarin. So, uh, Thera is played by Tom Wilkinson. Again, uh, Gerald from he was in the Full Monty. Uh, he was in Grand Budapest Hotel. He played the author. Uh, da, 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 what else has he been in that we would know? You'd know his face. He's one of those guys you know know his face as soon as you yeah, see him. Yeah, he's done a lot of stuff. Oh, he's in Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol and something called The Gruffalo. Oh, we have animated. Okay, movie. yeah, cool. Uh, Gemma Artinson, Arterson, Arterton, Arterton does Clover. Uh, she, this is, she was in Clash of the Titans, not Return of the Titans, or whatever that terrible ones that we saw, <laughs> Pat. We uh, saw both of them, didn't we? Did we? No, we only yeah. saw the one of them. Oh, okay. All yeah, right. together. Uh, she also is in The Voices with Ryan Reynolds. Ah, such yeah. a good movie. That's a fun I movie. haven't twisted. seen that one. Haven't it's very it. twisted. Yeah. <laughs> she plays Strawberry Fields in Quantum of Solace. And one of my guilty pleasure movies, Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, she plays Tamina. Again with with Ben Kingsley. Yeah, Ben Kingsley also. The one with Jake Gyllenhaal? Yeah. Uh Oh, dude, you know what? (laughs) I haven't seen it really, so I can't judge it. I just, the idea of him as the Prince of Persia, I was like, no. Yeah, well, I mean, he's a great actor. He really is, though, so that is, yeah, all right. And you've also got Ben Kingsley, well, Gem Artington, Ben Kingsley, Alfred Molina, Richard Coyle isn't there also. Um, it's if you go into if you go into um, I'm sorry, uh, Prince of Persia, knowing it's not a good movie, you will have a lot more fun. <laughs> it definitely has a better cast and better level of performances than the script has any right to demand. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Peter Capaldi, Joel. Aha! Uh-huh, I know. Yeah. Got Even a, I know that name. Yeah. Doctor Who. Uh, World War Z, he was in that, and way long time ago, he was in the TV version of Neverwhere, uh, the book by... Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman, yeah. Yep, he was Kahar, and he did a great job as Kahar. I think he did a better job as Kahar than, than Zero Mostel. Zero Mostel. There were definitely different perspectives. Like, I kind of liked Zero Mostel's, uh, like, drunk Russian, where he starts sounding like a bird and sounds more and more like he can speak bunny the longer he talks to them. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, mm-hmm. Capaldi was a more endearing version of the character. I think some of that had to do with, the, I guess, just the idea of doing an animated movie back in the late 70s. I don't think that animation had the respect that it does now. Yeah, that could be. So, uh, Strawberry, Olivia Coleman. Uh, you may know her from Hot Fuzz. Uh, yeah, and Strawberry was a character that was in the book, and if I remember right from my notes on what was different between the books and whatnot, <laughs> Strawberry was not a doe in the book. Really? Yeah, but that's the one thing. We'll get into this deeper how, in some ways, this is more like the book, and in some ways, it was less. Okay. I know her from Broadchurch. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now one. I do, too. That's where I recognize her from. And then Hawkbit, Mackenzie Crook. 
<laughs> as I say uh, to you, the guy with the eye from Pirates of the Caribbean. That's all uh, you need to know. Oh, yeah, see? Yeah. You know who I'm talking about. The guy with the eye. And I'm sure he's like, yeah, that's what we known as for the rest of my life. <laughs> yep. So uh, some other trivia here. Rory Kinnear, cowslip in this episode, is the son of the late Rory Kinnear, who also portrayed Pipkin in the 78 version of Watership Down. Huh. Yeah. So he looks a spitting image of his father. Uh, he is also, strangely enough, in um, Quantum of Solace. He played Bill Tanner. Skyfall, he was also Tanner. If you watch Penny Dreadful, he plays the creature. The creature. Yeah. I like Spoilers. Penny Dreadful. No, it's not really that much of a spoiler. Uh, the series well, uses... now I know that Penny Dreadful has a creature. Oh, no, you're not going to watch it. It's got a few. Yeah. yeah, there's some. But this is the creature. The creature. Oh, now I know there's more than one creature. Now I don't even want to watch it. He's infamous for being the creature. <laughs> He's more than famous. He's infamous. Ooh. All right. So the series uses many words from the Lapine language invented by Richard Adams for the book on which the series is based. Flay, for example, means food, and the suffix ra is an honorarium, meaning a prince or leader. The rabbit's folk hero is called El... I can't do this now. Elahira. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm too many beers into it. Uh, combines <laughs> the Lapine words for enemy and thousand and prince... Uh, also, Prince of a Thousand Enemies. A full glossary of, the, of these and other words can be found in the original novel or on the webpage that I just This read. almost sounds like a Tolkien thing where the guy was a linguist and he just wrote the book for, as an excuse to use this language he invented. Oh. What, what is awe about that? That's not an awe thing. It's just a, that's, that's an awe. I think he, a, he created the language because of what he was writing in the book. I think he wanted to give another level of these guys have their own culture and their own myths. And th that's why he sprinkled this vocabulary in there. Well, I think he was telling the story to his kids and the kids kept correcting him on what he called stuff the previous time he said it. And finally, he's like, I got to write this shit down. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what i do when i'm running games so I, I get called i got used to get called out way too much about shit that i forgot so now i try to take more notes <laughs> right i'm gonna end up with a glossary of my own world oh wait i, I already did book. yeah yeah all right so also in wait, this... real quick real quick yeah. have, have who have, have any of us read the book no 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 i kind of want to now that i've looked at the differences between the two series and the book because it seems like the book has more of the stuff that I really dug about this. The politics and shit? Uh -huh. The politics yeah. and the deep dive on the rabbit culture kind of yeah. stuff. Well, yeah, I'm cause I, it, sure there's sorry, a lot of it in there with 400 pages worth. You know, I definitely bet that there's going to be some, you know, like, a, I'm sure it's chapters of just rabbit politics for you. <laughs> the whole. I mean, that's definitely what it sounded like. It sounded like there was a whole lot more going on with them getting away from the original war and, and a whole lot more going on. Mm -hmm. uh, when they get, uh, I always close the tab that's got my notes about <laughs> like, I don't want to call it the fascist Warren because I had the name called the commie hole. I, I, they weren't, I don't know where communism came from. They were definitely were not sharing equally among their citizens. In fact, they were about the opposite of communist. Well, I was just uh, kind of trying to come up with a clever little, never mind, fascist hole then. Joel, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, dear Fuhrer. What? What? Uh, Tat tells a joke. No, what? No. So, last bit of trivia here. Believe it or not, Fiverr's visions were substantially toned down from the original adaptation because they said they were too scary. Can't see why they would do that. 
I kind of think that might have been a mistake. Or definitely was not. I think they did a lot better on the scene conversation and building the world out better. Yeah. In this one, but I don't think they had, I don't say shock value, but you didn't have the, in the original one, you knew why Fiverr wanted to leave. Yeah, they pulled back from the violence, which reduced the stakes of the whole thing. Like, I, I was, Sarah didn't want to watch adorable bunnies getting slaughtered, which I understand. And I told her, you know, this, in terms of the characters you care about, there's actually not a lot of that. But near the beginning, they give you enough violence so that you believe it could happen at any moment. Mm-hmm. Right. So the there's, stakes are high. There, there's a definitely a, <clears throat> a threat that's there, but the fact that they don't pay off on it at all kind of doesn't lessen it but it seems like there should have been a main character somewhere that didn't make it you know yeah and in the netflix series the stakes were lessened because we didn't have a whole lot of moments of violence until basically the last episode Mm -hmm. everything built up to the final episode versus them being i mean there wasn't a lot i was expecting more of the peril of the journey it's like none of the peril kid really kicked in until they got there, and even even the weird cult Warren. Yeah, wasn't. just a little perilous. Yeah, it was a little perilous. Yeah, they're kind of worshiping a rock. Yeah, they're kind of like, oh well, gotten got caught in a in a trap. I guess we live one more day. You know, that was kind of weird, but I I don't think there was enough uh n- enough of a nod to what they went through in the book from going to point yeah. A to point B. Well, and you, you, Bigwig was one of the guys that got in trouble the most, it seemed like, yet since he was the narrator at the beginning of the story, you're like, he's not going anywhere. Right. Even when he got caught in the snare and he was quote unquote dead, you know, it's still like, yeah, he's not going anywhere. And yeah, the snare was the first point I noticed uh, how much the uh, gore was reduced. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, that's pretty okay because it was pretty gnarly in the 78 version but then when they also skipped scenes with them running away from rats and owls and hawks i mean the crow scene where they went into the the burned out church that was okay Mm -hmm. but i was expecting the rat scene yeah for sure and i don't know what i don't know if it was you know maybe maybe in the 70s they actually strangled a rabbit to see how it looked and that's why it looked so good I mean, I appreciated that a lot of the secondary and tertiary characters got a lot more development in this. You can see where they used the four hours. Mm-hmm. It was a little weird, the stuff that was in the sub- substantially shorter version that they cut in the four-hour version. To me, I, it was, I don't know that anyone would, besides me would watch an eight-hour version of this, but I think really the best way to experience this story is probably just to read the book. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is, I you know we've been talking about the pages of the book so many <clears> times, but it's I think in a book of that thickness, <laughs> you can't you can't sure. really go ahead, Pat, get it out. I was just gonna say Josh is just wanting Game of Thrones, but with rabbits. Basically, that yeah, I, I'd be down with that. <laughs> well, and I have a feeling that that's maybe what the book was a bit more based on the '78 version, is that there must have been more violence that played out that they didn't. They didn't show because, you know, in in this one, although I, I, spoiler, I preferred the new version to the 78. uh, There was mostly it was a lot of rabbit slapping. You know, that was that was primarily what what the violence was. The pacing was definitely better in the remake. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, it's that we've say 
talk about it all the time. It's got 70s pacing. But it's weird saying that, that the original had 70s pacing. This had brisker pacing. But you compare the two. The first one was an hour and a half. This was four hours, and somehow less happened. What? I mean, I know that all that stuff got uh, patched over by additional dialogue and character development. Mm -hmm. But it is kind of strange to see something that is more than double the length with less actual scenes. Well, but consider how much they jammed into the original yeah. The, the scenes that they did add in there were short. You know, the the rat sequence and things were just these little kind of vignettes versus this, where they go to the the Colt Warren, for example. You know, that was 20 minutes of time or whatever. Um, for yeah, them it was to, expanded quite a bit. Yeah, so, I mean, they, they built on, they kind of chose what parts they felt were the most key elements of the story, blew them out a little bit, built the characters up more throughout the time, and kind of picked their poison. Uh, the other one, they're like, let's throw as much as we can in there to try and get it to get it everything that we can. But we've got a truncated time. I also appreciated how they decided that a story told now where every female character is literally just an object for the survival of the Warren. They decided to change that and give some of the does some more agency, but without falling into the opposite trap of now all of a sudden all of the female rabbits are badass fighters. Like they distinctly had their own strengths and their own roles to play in the story. So it didn't feel pandering or bolted on. Yeah, I would agree with that. But they were definitely more pronounced. Um, there was more character development and there was more to them in, in this story. So and definitely. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I was waiting until all the serious discussion was done. So go ahead. <laughs> keep going. I was just going to say there were some moments where the Warren doesn't survive without the specific things that the does bring to the story, not just their role as they can make babies. <laughs> right. They can build, you know, tunnels and things like that a whole lot faster. Now, that would be curious to find out whether or not how far they he went into that with the book. Well, and it could be that because of the time the book was written the does were not important. But I do think that if you want to just not get killed uh, in the press, you you try to right those sort of wrongs when you tell a story Yeah. with regards to, to gender roles. And it actually looks like uh, the books uh, have uh, criticism of gender roles in the books is one of the big criticisms of the book. So Well, and again, you got to take it for the time that it was written. Absolutely. No, I, I get that. You got to take everything in context. So I mean, and, was, and I'm glad that if you try to uh, write that wrong, you don't do it in a way that panders, because that that's doing it wrong is somehow worse than not doing it at all. Mm -hmm. Well, and you also have to consider the the creature themselves. I mean, if they're trying to write a realistic society based on you know how the animals actually interact with each other and their roles, you have to kind of play along with that too, as far as how realistic are you going to make it. Sure, and, but. I, I was going to say real quick, if you do it wrong, you, you end up with the sand snakes. Yeah. <laughs> or in our first episode, we talked about how uh, in Conan, the love interest was a badass when it was convenient to show her. It's like, hey, she's not an object to be uh, rescued until the next scene. She absolutely is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Where we need her to be rescued. Yep. And then he makes his snake rigid. <laughs> I love yeah. that. Yeah, uh, that would definitely be the uh, prototype for how not to do that. Yeah. No, I mean, it's... I will say they, they had some good drama in the remake. There were some times, like, when they were trying to escape from the house, I think was a good 
case of who's going to make it. Are they all going to make it? They're being chased by the cat on one end, run out the window, and there's a dog. You know, there was it was it was a good version of the escape. But yeah, again, it was intercut with uh, scenes very cleverly of the other rabbits uh, trying to escape from uh, Ephraphon. Oh, That's yeah. I finally I've... opened, finally opened the tab again. Yeah, I forgot about that that crossover. Yeah, that actually was good to take care of. I mean, versus having one whole scene of escaping, I mean, which is what they would have done in the 70s. You would have one whole scene of them escaping the house, one whole scene of them escaping Ephraim. But they did a really good job of crossing, crossing between the two of them. And Ephraim in this one was a lot more foreboding than it was in the first one. Although somehow the general was a little less, and I think it's because he was a more realistic rabbit. He wasn't just this giant Jabba the rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> or, King, or King Louis-sized rabbit. Yeah, I oh, mean, Jesus, definitely. Yeah. And somehow, like, you would think that making him lean and strong would make him more menacing, but I actually thought he was a little less. Yeah. He, they, they didn't have, I, I, I would say, they didn't go with the gross-out feature on him. You know, because like yeah. in the in the original one, he's he's kind of got the one slobby eye, and he's always kind of drooling. And you know, when he bad fights, teeth. yeah, it's got the bad teeth. Now, now, what they really did a good job on the creepy side of it was that thing in the basement where they was giving everybody the marks. The one rabbit yeah. with the gimpy teeth and the one big claw. I also do appreciate the flashback at the top of episode four where they actually get something in from the book. They, they give you the slight uh, flash of the origin story of General Woundwart, how he was a hutch rabbit, and he was scared. He didn't warn his uh, companions of the oncoming fox, which took his eye in the escape. Mm. And like from that moment of trauma, that's the reason why he's this brutal dictator. Yeah. It's because, yeah, he was a scared running rabbit and decided he was never going to be frightened again. Which ultimately was his downfall. Yeah. Which I, I, I thought was a nice nice kind of way to wrap up his storyline. Um, and they kind of downplayed the, the ending with the dog. Because yeah. in the first one, you know, there's a lot of blood happening in his mouth and he's, you know, vicious and it's kind of brutal. And here it's kind of almost poetic in a way. Um, even the way that they, they, they shot it. Well, they animated it um, <laughs> where they're coming at each other and then they just kind of fade off, you know, but the yeah. way they block it out. Yeah. Animatically. Animatronic. That's not, that's not a word. Uh, Animatically. <laughs> We'd be remiss if we didn't call out something a lot of people did in that they spent a ton of money on the voice cast and not as much on the animation. You know what? You are correct. While the animation in the 70s was trippy and crazy ass, it was definitely well done. Yeah, it was cutting edge for its time. And you look at this, and I think people are exaggerating when they say it looks like a PS2 cutscene. I think they're romanticizing how good shit looked on PS2. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's at well, least it, a PS3. <laughs> yeah, it does look like a video game from five years ago. But, you know, you can almost... I felt like that when I first started it. I'm like, oh, wow. Was okay. this possibly stuck in development hell or something? Like the animation was done a long time ago? I just think that animation on the quality we expect out of like Pixar is freaking expensive. More mm -hmm. money than the BBC could scrounge together. Well, and with, you know, four hours of, of series, you know, they've got to stretch their dollar. Um, and you don't ex exactly, this isn't going to be a, like a giant cash cow hit. So you don't right. want to dump, dump a whole lot into it, I guess. Yeah. Well, but the thing was, is when I started it, I kind of was at that same point that, that these people are, where I was like, okay, this might be a little rough. And I'm like, okay, they've got this great cast. But the more that it went on, I kind of lost myself in 
the storytelling and the animation kind of fell away as far as the quality. It, the the storyline was more important. It took me more into it and the animation didn't take me back out of it again. I, I could come down on your side of the debate, maybe a little less forgiving than you, but considering how big a topic it was online when the trailer for this dropped, I figure we'd be remiss in not bringing it up at all. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest place you really saw that was the dog. I mean, he he looked, yeah, like ten, like a 10 years ago, <clears throat> 10 years ago animated uh, creature versus, you know, 2018. Well, but. I wonder if they made this at BBC before they got that sweet, sweet Netflix, Netflix deal. You know, did they did it just turn out that they ha- only had the BBC quality of things? Yeah, it might have just been something that they had on file and Netflix just bought. Yeah, I mean, because like a couple weeks ago, we did that uh, that Netflix, what was the one with the robots and the girls? Oh, uh, Next Gen. Yeah, Next Gen. And that, that was made with a... F- a free 3d system so i mean there's definitely and that looked amazing yeah it really did and there's some disconnect between i guess what the bbc is putting out i'm guessing that 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 netflix optioned it i think you're i think you're right on the money with that yeah and i think that some of it is not just access to technology it's access to the people who know how to use it correctly and i think we're a little spoiled having the DreamWorks and Pixar and everything where even if the storytelling on every single one of those movies isn't up to par, we've become accustomed to a lavish kind of production value in terms of the people who know how to use those computer programs. Mm-hmm. And it also has part of the the Jurassic Park effect. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah that mean, everything else is so far ahead of the curve that yeah. This, this oh, looks sure. Bad in comparison. Yeah, yeah, I mean, everyone's like, "Oh my God, the the you know Jurassic Park looks so amazing." I'm like, "Well, it's Steven freaking Spielberg." But yeah, I, you, I don't think you can do that because there is so much that is so far ahead of the curve right now. It's not just one thing that was so amazingly good, anim, you know, in animation. Everything is is that high now. Yeah. Well, and the entire series was made for twenty million pounds. When you consider the quality of the voice cast how how many big names you've got that's going to eat up a lot of that mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's I mean, not that's much just, money that, that's just the truth of it is they just did not have a big budget and animation was not the focal point it was the the, the, the voice acting was well and you kind of wonder how many of those actors might have been like you know i grew up with this story here's my chance to be a part of it might have taken a slight cut on it but still yeah and, I, mean, and, I think yeah and this this is probably animated by a bunch of interns because the guys who really make the money are like yeah we're gonna make this other one where we make the money you go do this one show me what you got well <laughs> and they showed it and now it. we did a show on it and they're gonna be like oh man look at all these shows that are coming out about rabbits yeah. <laughs> these fancy rabbits yeah, I mean, for me, I know I'm kind of getting ahead of myself and getting to thumbs up, thumbs down, but th- this comes in at a solid B minus, which is still a passing grade. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. It's not. I mean, it's it's not as good as we've seen, but it's a hell of a lot better than I could do if you sat me down in front of a computer. <laughs> I, we find this with a lot of then and nows, where the ultimate version on the screen of what we'd want to see is somewhere, some magical creation taking the best part of the then and the best part of the now. Yeah, it's almost always somewhere in the in-between of the two that we watch. Yeah, that would be the best possible version. Because I don't even think like a totally book-accurate version is the best thing we could see on screen. It would be 12 hours, and it would probably be damn boring. I probably it's, 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 it's like you can't like you can't capture Dune fully on screen either, you know, that kind well, of thing. Yeah. I guess we'll find out, won't we? 
Yeah, well, yeah, we're going to. They're going to try it again, and I'm sure we'll be talking about it. <laughs> yeah. All but right. they'd have to, you know, settle for like, like Randy oh. Quaid and uh, 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 Daniel Baldwin, you know, as a voice actors and things like that. If they're doing the 12 hour version. Anyway, sorry, you were saying. All right. So before we go to the thumbs up, thumbs down, I want to say my stupid joke that I thought of. It's, it's for the Game of Thrones rabbit version. The two main characters are going to, in the first season, are going to be Rabbit Baratheon and Cersei Lannifer. All right, so uh, yeah, you've spent this entire down. time writing that shit down, haven't you? No, I just been waiting to say it. Can we give a thumbs up, thumbs down on Pat's joke? <laughs> I, I give it a thumbs down. Josh, where are you? <laughs> I mean, if I'd have said it, been able to say it like right away, you know, it would have been a lot funnier. But I mean, it it no. still made me it cracked me up. So I had to, you know, I don't care if you didn't like it, Joel. Yeah, it's right. Your face is something. <laughs> something, something, your face. Ooh, yeah. it's getting hot in here. Holy cow, right, man. Let's, let's thumbs up, thumbs down this. All right. Pat, both thumbs that, down. Thumb, thumbs down. For oh. both? Yeah. I, I didn't even watch the second one, but yeah. <laughs> you hated the first one so much you didn't even watch the second one. Thanks for spoiling that. We, I thought we were doing pretty good with hiding that. Oh, no. I, yeah, I just, that's why I didn't say much. I didn't get to it. My internet was down for last night and it was not priority today and the dog ate your homework and <laughs> yeah and it was there was, a, there was there was a terrorist attack and there was an earthquake it wasn't my fault uh, grandma freaked out and dropped some bad acid and hijacked a bus full I of nuns bus, i think the school bus full of nuns <laughs> i use that joke all the time when we're talking about background checks at work and nobody ever gets it oh that's sad they got pulled over they got arrested in 1973 for hijacking a bus full of nuns the check doesn't go back to 73. I'm like, that's what you're questioning? <laughs> so, uh, right. I give it a weird thumbs up for the then and a thumbs up for the now. But it's, I think it's a, one of those thumbs up where it's like, eh, I'm, I mean, I've watched it. I'm good. I, I think that's where I come into it. It's an unenthusiastic thumbs up for both. They, they, they both have their flaws. Uh, I, I probably will love the book when I get around to it. But yeah, they're, they're both like the B minus kind of thumbs up. Yeah. Um, for the original, it's a thumbs up just for its kind of place in in history. It was an interesting watch, but I don't ever need to see it again. And for the remake, I would give it a a definite thumbs up. I enjoyed it, um, Kahar especially. But you know, again, it's not something I would actively seek out to watch a second time. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at. I'm like, I've seen these. I saw it once before a long time ago. Just saw this one now. I think I'm good. You know, I don't need to see this anymore. I didn't. I didn't hate this as much as like you know the that that horrible abomination fake star movie. Star Crash. Yeah. Star well, I think it was kind of cool that even though I was surprised that we did have someone that walked into this thinking they were going to watch something about U-boats. <laughs> hey, L. Kind of, yeah. L. What did you think about these movies? <laughs> I mean, I just, I really, I had no idea what I was walking into. Yeah, that's kind of cool that one of us was in that spot. Nice. Well, if you want to give us your story of how you were scarred by Watership Down as a child or uh, your perspective on this or anything else we talk about, give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep, and our older stuff is on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, NoonFM.com, and Podchaser, iHeartRadio, too. We're all over the place. Type us in. Go to our home on the web, 40Go14, Twitter, Facebook. Um, he's just saying words now. We're on <laughs> well, thing. Like, like I always said, if you can't find us, you're not trying. Yeah. 
We will come to your house and do the yeah, show. I, at your I house. will. I, I definitely. I will definitely stalk you if you want. Yeah. I will not come to your house. Just let me know. I, I'll I'll stalk. I got nothing else to do. Hey Joel. Yeah. What are we doing next week? Oh yeah, I was gonna say you're gonna forget that. Uh, next week we are going to be um, Boondock Satan. Then. That's not a thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's, yeah. Boondock when are we going to do something I like? Never. Never, because hearing stuff you don't like is so much more fun. <laughs> Next week we're watching the Boondock Saints and the Boondock Saints 2 All Saints Day. Yeah. We'll do something you like once I have a job that doesn't drug test. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. I like the implication. She's going to get on the boat. <laughs> because of the implication. <laughs> oh, so they are in danger. No, you're not understanding what I'm saying. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. What are you looking at? Clearly, you're not in any danger. Well, what if I win the lottery? Like, I, I'm going to just buy a yacht and just live on a yacht. That's what I'm going to do. And sail, <laughs> and sail the world. And everybody's well. And I will pay for everybody to come. Day yeah, the one. weather will never get you on a fucking boat. Wait. <laughs> oh, Somalia pirates. <laughs> the, the water will never look for me right where it is. It's like Pat- <laughs> Patrick's journal. Day one. I won the lottery. I bought a boat. Day two. Boat sank. <laughs> that is entirely entirely true day three bought another boat day four i lost it's my boat the, that's taken to the swamp 